Hashtag SAFM LNC. Leading the late night conversations, let's go into closet conversations. Yes, I did say this conversation is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18. It's for us adults. We are talking. How do we make sure that our long-term marriages and relationships still keep the spark in the bedroom and everywhere else? Sure, if you are a person who's been in a long-term relationship uh, or a marriage and you've been wondering how... Do you just rekindle that flame, rekindle that fire? This conversation is definitely for you. Or you might perhaps be a person who's about to get into a marriage and you're wondering if you'd be able to have the same fire and flames and butterflies in the stomach for the next 20, 30 years while you're together with your loved one. Well, this is the conversation you should be listening to. You can call in and be anonymous. Like I said, it is Closet Conversations. No one needs to know your name. But what we are going to do is assist you to understand how you keep those fires burning. I've got uh, on the line Dr. Gary Brown who is a licensed marriage and a family therapist based in Los Angeles, USA. Thank you very much Dr. Gary Brown for joining us this evening. Oh Patricia, it's absolutely my pleasure. What a delight. Now uh, Dr. Brown, um, we are talking about rekindling the fire in marriage. What causes a long-term relationship to just all of a sudden die down in terms of the bedroom not having the spice anymore, um, in terms of the intimacy, in terms of us not even, you know, just feeling as if I'm I'm with my brother in the same house? (laughs) Right. It it begins to feel incestuous. Um, I I think there's a misconception in that, other than the discovery of an affair, usually the the diminishing of libido, as it were, um, between uh, uh, partners typically happens over time. It's usually not something that happens like suddenly, unless there's some major trauma going on. It's usually a cumulative uh, uh, issue. Uh, And again, I guess I should probably qualify that too, Patricia. I mean, Perhaps there's a, 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 a new medical condition uh, that might be affecting. It, it could be depression, a chronic illness, a sleep problems, aging, uh, uh, stress. Certainly there's plenty of that in the world right now. So those things alone can diminish libido for both men and women, for that matter. Um, sometimes there's other physiological reasons, you know, such as uh, low testosterone, uh, particularly in men. Um, so that can have an impact. Uh, so I think I think it's good to know, you know, what might be some of the causes. One of the things that people are surprised about is that there are certain food and beverages that also contribute to diminished libido uh, for couples. Um, I mean, you might be surprised to hear that sometimes, uh, you know, various chocolates, coffee, because that increases anxiety. Um, I hate to say it for those of us who indulge, but sometimes uh, marijuana. Um, can also, uh, anything with THC, uh, can, can reduce, uh, a testosterone. So that obviously becomes much more problematic for the men. So, you know, you want to rule out, you know, what might be some medical and psychological causes, um, that, that are consistent with, uh, you know, kind of dimming the spark as it were. Shoot, sure. Doctor, it's very amazing that you have come up with the fact that even the food that we eat could potentially uh, lead to us not having those fires in the bedroom. And um, I mean, I love chocolate. I, I really love chocolate. Yeah, me so, too. Dark <laughs> so, chocolate so, for me. So, oh, Dark chocolate for me. My goodness, you know. I'm a 
whether it's dark chocolate or it is uh, what, uh, flavored chocolate, any chocolate, I love chocolate. So are you saying to yep. me that I need to ease down on my chocolate, especially if I get into a long-term relationship or else in the future I might have issues? No, just just be mindful <laughs> that, you know, if, if you're going to have sex in the evening, maybe don't have chocolate right after dinner. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And here we are thinking that using chocolate, chocolates afterwards. And listen, here we are thinking if you're going to have some chocolate syrup or and, you know, you're going to put it all over your partner's body. It's just going to entice the sexual activity. And now you're telling me that chocolate no go area. I can deal with the coffee. I can deal with the marijuana. It's not part of my thing, but I I wonder what my listeners have to say. But it's it's very (laughs) it's it's very amazing that you know the food we eat could potentially harm our intimacy. They can. I mean, there's no getting around that the body keeps score. The body is influenced, you know, by what we ingest. Um, You know, I you know I don't have any moral issues with chocolate or edibles. Um, but you know, if, if you're really looking at it, you know, uh, you know, if you want to put chocolate syrup over your, your partner, go for it. And if it works and it doesn't impact uh, libido, you know, all, all the better. So now, Dr. Brown, let's talk about then, here we are, we're at this phase in our relationship or marriage, and we want to now rekindle the fires. Um, We have ruled out some of the psychological issues. We've ruled out some of the physical issues uh, like our diet, and we still are not able to connect and uh, have steaming sex. What can we then do? Right. Um. You know, I think it's always a good thing to do a status check on on what's the nature of your relationship in general. So if, for example, you find yourself in, I noticed the previous segment, you were talking about the domestic violence um, mm-hmm. in various forms. You know, if, if, there's, if you're in a really toxic relationship, um, you might be having sex, but it may not be particularly satisfying, um, particularly if, if a woman is in a situation where she's being abused. Um, but, but in general, barring trauma like that, you know, I, I think we, we tend to get into ruts. And I, I think, as you were saying at the beginning, Patricia, you know, sometimes you feel like you're, you're, you're living with a roommate or you're feeling you're living with a sibling. And, and there is a place where when we're younger, we have a lot more of testosterone and estrogen and all the things that, that you know, infuse our, our sex drive. But as we get older, that sexual passion that we have, uh, just in the course of the natural aging process, does tend to diminish. Now, it doesn't mean when you're in your 70s or 80s you can't have sex. Um, it just simply means that for most people, their sex drive just naturally diminishes over time. Men are producing less testosterone. But there's some things that you can do. You know, you can, you can maybe, if you get finding yourself in a slump, change your routine. Um, you know, instead of, you know, giving your partner a, a, a quick kiss on the cheek uh, or on the forehead before you go to bed, you know, really embrace your partner and for a nice, prolonged, really heartfelt, passionate kiss, you know, that might shift the energy. Um, have some things to look forward to, you know, plan like a, a green romantic getaway weekend or, or a week, um, you know. And what I say to a lot of couples is, or what I ask them is, what did it feel like when you originally fell in love? And can you reconnect with that? So, you know, I I think those are some of the things you can do. Um, I can add to that list if you want. 
Well, um, before you even add on the list, I want to find out from you, Doctor. Uh, when you say sometimes because of age, obviously the sex drive will start diminishing. Should then couples sure. consider medication um, or therapy yeah. when that point comes? Uh, you know what? If, if, if sex is, is a vital, important part of your relationship and it's something that you both mutually want, uh, you know, you know, they made the little blue pill for a reason. <laughs> um, you know, so, so, uh, and it was the biggest selling medication for that pharmaceutical company ever. Um, and, uh, it's even better now because now is now you, you can get it because it's, you know, out, out of patent. So it's very inexpensive. So sometimes literally the little blue pill will do the trick. But it needs to be something that you and your partner agree on because you can only imagine if the one yes. partner, let's say the male partner, takes the little blue pill and the female partner says, oh, I'm not having it. No, I'm not feeling it. Um, I don't want to have right. this. And you are left with uh, a rhino's horn <laughs> in your midsection yes. that no one is going to help you with. Yes. So obviously that can heighten uh, stress in a relationship as well. Absolutely, and and that could be particularly true. Uh, and it's very interesting for some women when they go through menopause, for example, about the last thing they want is sex. Um, and for uh, some women, you know, they become even more aroused. They feel even freer sexually because they don't have the concern that at the age of forty-five or fifty or fifty-five that they're going to get pregnant. Uh, and so a, a number of women feel actually liberated uh, at at the end of menopause. They go, awesome. I can have all the sex I want now. Well, we are talking to Dr. Gary Brown, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Los Angeles in the USA. We are talking about rekindling those fires in your bedroom, especially if you've been in a long-term relationship. Remember that you can call in by dialing 011-714-4045. It is the closet conversation, so you can be anonymous. The other number you can dial is 0891-104-207. WhatsApp number is 0614-104-107. I've got a WhatsApp here from Anonymous. Anonymous says, hi, Patricia and your guest. I am 16 years married. My wife said her sex drive has changed because of having children. Is this a reality? Uh, Dr. Brown, the caller doesn't mention whether the sex drive has changed for the best or the worst, but I'm assuming if they're giving an excuse that it's because of the churn or having churn, um, it could be for the worst. Is this a reality for females? Uh, it's a definite reality for, for many females. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's a very confusing time. Because a, a woman's body goes through a lot of changes, whether they have one child, two or three or, or more. Uh, but even after one child, for some women, their libido drops off, you know, significantly. Sometimes that is because their body is, particularly if they have a, a new baby, a newborn, uh, or young children around the house, they have so much physical energy that they're exerting, typically taking care of their, their baby or their children that literally they kind of, you know, run, figuratively run out of gas. Um, and they simply don't have the physical energy to, to engage in, in sex. And often sex becomes. Are you still there, doctor? Um, are under stress. Yeah. Okay. We can hear you Hello? now. We lost oh, you a okay. bit there. Yep. Oh, my, my apologies. I don't know. I, yeah. My phone flickered there for a second. Um, so, um, I think for, for new moms, again, um, 
or even moms after I believe uh, this person said uh, they've been married for 16 years. But, you know, stress um, is involved in being a parent, uh, even if it's positive stress. It's a lot of energy. And, you know, if mom is expending a lot of energy taking care of the children, for example, not that dad is or isn't, I don't really know in, in this particular situation with Anonymous, but if that's the issue, maybe you need to find ways to carve out some time just to sit down and talk with your wife and just say, you know, I really miss our romantic part of our relationship, and I, I don't want you to feel any blame on my part, but, but I, I am missing you, and I'm wondering, is there anything that I can do for you to, to you know, lighten that flame within you? Um, and is there anything that I'm doing that's inhibiting you? And, you know, I always like to encourage people to ask, you know, what do you need and what don't you need? So I, I would start off anonymous, and I would begin to have that conversation with your wife. And, and ask her that. And that could really hopefully open some doors. But you want to make sure that you're doing it from a place of desire on your part, but not where you're blaming her. And I know I'm repeating myself on that one, but I really have to bullet that because it, it's very easy to get judgmental particularly if we're feeling rejected and then abandoned. Definitely. Now, you know, Dr. Brown, on the same um, instance of Anonymous, uh, he says that the wife has gotten worse, and I think it's what we preempted. And it seems that, you know, especially for us women, the moment our bodies change, and I no longer look the way I looked in my 20s or early 30s, and I've given birth, I've got a couple of stretch marks, all of a sudden I start becoming a bit more shy. I no longer want my partner to see me when the lights are on. I, you know, I, I, right. So right. the intimacy obviously will start somewhere in the in the psyche, and how do we, how does a male partner then assist their female partner? Because just talking about it, I, I'm a woman. I can imagine if a partner comes to me and says, "Well, how can I help you?" It won't be easy for me to say, "Well, I feel uncomfortable because my stomach is sagging and I've got stretch marks and my boobs are sagging." So I, I just don't right, want you to right. touch me. So how else can a partner help either than, you know, well, wanting to ask, how can I help you? I, 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 I think you have to ask. And I think this is a place, and hardly anybody ever talks about this, Patricia, but if you're going to be in an enduring, long-lasting, fulfilling love relationship at any stage, um, you're going to have to hack your courage. Um it, it might be very scary for a woman to say to her husband, I'm not liking my body right now. I just had a baby. Like you said, I've had stretch marks. You know, gravity is having its way with my breasts. Um, you know, um, and, and, and that, is, I, I'm, I mean, there's no getting around that that would be a difficult conversation. But if you have that conversation with your husband, it might evoke empathy on his part. And he might start to view you in a different way that may actually be more loving if he sees that vulnerability within you. Granted, you're kind of putting it on the line here, but if you don't have that conversation with your partner, then I think you're setting it up. You could wind up setting yourself up to really not get what you need. Now, let's take it into the context of a man. When a man is a bit older now and he too feels a bit uncomfortable because he might not be able to have an erection for as long as he could when he was much younger, that could also cause some stress and some strain. How does a female partner try to help their male partner uh, to, to, to feel that they are still loved despite the fact that he can only go for two seconds or two minutes instead of him feeling anxious and therefore curling into his shell and not wanting to be intimate with his partner? Uh, simply say to your man, um, you know, 
sweetheart, don't worry about it. You know, this happens to all men, and it does. Um, and, you know, first you want to eliminate some of the, the things that could contribute to, say, the inability to maintain an erection. And I would actually go back to some of the food and beverage uh, department on that. You know, if uh, I, I know for men, when we drink too much alcohol, it's much very difficult to establish an erection, much less maintain an erection. So if, if, if there's a lot of alcohol involved or if there's a lot of marijuana involved, that's going to kill testosterone and that's going to kill libido. So I, you just have to accept that as a biological fact of life. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't do anything about it. But, you again, you have to look at what are the contributing factors. Um, maybe the man's feeling like, oh, I can't, I can't have an erection and it's really killing my self-esteem. I'm really embarrassed. I don't really want to talk about this, which is typical for men because... Frankly, as women, you're much smarter and more open about these things than we are. Um, Thank you for the compliment, Doctor. So, uh, yeah, no, no, no. You, you, developmentally, uh, from a sociological point of view, the data strongly indicates men, men, women are much more intuitive than men. Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't learn, but we just need you to teach us. And one of the things that we need, and just like women need, is to feel safe. Uh, to have conversations that normally, frankly, we wouldn't. So I, I would want my partner, I would want her to invite me uh, to talk about it and, and to reassure me that, you know, no matter what, you know, you know, we may not have passion right now, but I still have compassion for you. And I think that's really the key in the long run. We are you have to have these, con- you have to have what we call these crucial conversations. And they're not easy. Mm, and it takes definitely. Courage. Definitely. I mean, but obviously, if you've been together in a relationship for a long time, it would be very important for the, the, the two people to know how to communicate with each other. But I think, doctor, yes. p- paying compliments to each other. For, for me as a woman, if a partner comes to me and says, Absolutely. you are beautiful, I love your body, and I, I, I love the way your hips are rounded, things like that yeah. would boost my confidence. Or even teasing, but light teasing, I'm not saying make mock of me, but tease and say, oh, I love those tiger stripes, they make you just look so sexy. It would it would make me feel better about myself as opposed to a man who just says, well, on Instagram, I saw this so-and-so with this banging body. Yeah, which is not going to make a woman feel great. And and by the way, we have to acknowledge there's a double standard in, in almost all societies. Uh, and it is certainly true here in America and, and, in, and in Europe, uh, where we, we put so much emphasis on how people physically appear. And I think there's a real double standard, and I think it's utterly unfair to women. You know, it's, it's a little bit more acceptable for me to let my body go as a man but, you know, we put so much emphasis on women having to be young and virile and have, you know, be, to be a 19-year-old hard body. It's just utterly unrealistic. And it, and it's, and it frankly, damages women's self-esteem. And to, to your point, Patricia, I think men need to do a lot more in terms of, you know, saying how much they love their, their wife's body, um, assuming that's going to change, um, just as a man's body is going to change. And, and so, you know, there's nothing like expressing gratitude and appreciation to uh, help a little bit in the, in the, in the department of sex. Um, you know, feeling appreciated can be really sexy, quite frankly. You know, and I think men and women let, need to let each other know, not only are you attracted, but what about you am I attracted to mm. physically and emotionally? 
I, I would try writing a love note. Uh, better yet, write a love letter. Uh, you know, do something different uh, than whatever it is you've been doing. Spice up the sex life, spice up the bedroom. We are talking closet conversations with Dr. Gary Brown, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist based in Los Angeles. Remember, you can join in by calling anonymously or even give us your name on 011-714-4045 or 891 The WhatsApp number is 614 SMS 41391. On social media platforms at SFM Radio or at Patricia N. Dooley, hashtag SFMLNC. Anonymous on WhatsApp says, I hear you guys saying beverages decrease libido, but I get more sexually aroused when I drink alcohol. And I'm a man. So, um, Dr. Brown, could the opposite be true? Congratulations, Anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it 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 absolutely can be true. Uh, Some men uh, feel less inhibited uh, when they drink alcohol, and and they are able to maintain an erection. and, and so, you know, again, pardon the expression, um, I don't mean the pun here, but one size does not fit all. Uh, so for alcohol, for some men, may work really well. For most men I know, particularly the older the man gets, uh, the less that seems to be true. Hmm. And, and that's just the that's just the data speaking. That's not me speaking. <laughs> that's just the data speaking. And someone else says, uh, yes, sh- surely sex doesn't get better with age, just like wine does. So, can wine or vodka spice it up a bit? I I I, I don't agree with the premise that sex can't get better. I, I think that 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 is a, a very dangerous uh, myth. I think sex can get much better over time uh, if you put take the time to focus on your sexual relationship. And that means like setting up um, the environment and the mood so you don't have any electronic devices, no cell phones, no iPads, no no nothing. Um, so set the mood, you know, literally like old school light candles, um, maybe some soft mood music, you know, so, something that that is, is, is arousing. Um, and, and then learn things like... Um, Sensate focus, you know, where one partner uh, just moves their hands over their their lover's body, and and have the lover say, "Oh, I like it when you do that. Oh, I love it when you touch me there." Or a little bit more pressure, or a little bit less pressure, or move down about an inch, and and it might seem contrived, but if you're taking the time to learn about your partner's body, that in and of itself is very loving. And you can really begin to discover, you know, what's a person's erogenous zones? You know, what is it that they find stimulating? So I, you don't want to be a selfish lover and just make it about yourself, whether you're a man or a woman. Um, you know, you want to know what, what is going to satisfy me and what is going to satisfy my partner. And what does my partner, what are, what are my partner's uh, sexual needs? And are we communicating those needs to one another? And then if you're not, then you're kind of setting yourself up to not have probably, you know, the best romantic life that you're probably capable of having. Hmm. So we need to communicate. It seems like communication is the biggest uh, part of uh, rekindling or spicing up uh, the embers of love in the bedroom. Now I've got another one here from... um uh, an anonymous, he says, uh, hi there, I'm dating this woman. She is 
10 years older than me. And every time after she comes, she says she feels liberated and I can tell by the look. So I totally agree with Dr. there when he says um, some men feel liberated after coming. As for the tiger stripes, I am dead. Okay, that was my comment. Doctor, it seems that uh, even people in relationships where there's an age difference, when there's better communication, then the sexual um, experience becomes much better. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, and, and I think there's, there's actually biological reasons for that too, Patricia. Uh, I hate to say this, guys, but, uh, and don't take it too literally, but from a biological point of view, men hit their sexual prime roughly right around the age of 18, 19, 20. Women don't really typically hit their uh, sexual prime until around the age of 30. That's what the research tells us. And so uh, and that came out of studies uh, that emanated from the work, the original work that, that Kinsey did, and Masters and Johnson. Um, so women who are older, and particularly, you know, if you're in your 20s and she's in her 30s, um, you know, it's quite likely she may be more sexually mature and, and she may be more in tune with her body and much more liberated. Women are also wired more for emotional connection and sex. And since women tend to be more, more mature than us um, at various stages, um, they know a lot more about what they need, both physically and emotionally. And to them, sex can be much more liberating. I think there's too much emphasis for us as men, we get too focused and, and we're told you know, it's all about having orgasm and that's all that sex is. And sex is so, so much more than just having orgasm. Um, orgasm's awesome, don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, but, but there's so much more to sex than, than just getting off as it were. You know, it's a beautiful, wonderful way to connect with your partner, uh, not just physically, uh, but emotionally. So there's more to sex than just the orgasm, but the orgasm is exceptionally wonderful. Now, you spoke about the, the studies that talk about the differences in our sexual peaks when it comes to men and female. Mm-hmm. So w- would some of the pressures in a relationship be due to the fact that the people who are in this relationship are in the same age group and perhaps the woman has a higher sex drive and the man is just not there anymore because they're the same age? I mean, that's actually a common uh, factor. Uh, It it usually goes the other way around, um, particularly as relationships get into the 15, 20-year period or more, and sometimes at the 7 to 10-year stage, depending upon the couple, where there are disparities in desire, and and that's just a fact of life. Um, And there's so many factors, Patricia, that are contributing to the discrepancies in in, uh, sexual desire. So you have to factor that in. And again, there's no one size fits all. Each couple has to really look at who they are as individuals, how they see themselves as sexual beings, whatever their age is, and what their needs are uh, sexually. And that's going to change as, as we go through the lifespan. What would be best then? Should... I'm not certain that I, I'm not, I'm not certain <laughs> yeah. that I answered your question. But it did. But what would be the best uh, remedy then? Should should younger ladies be dating older men, or older men dating younger ladies, or vice versa, whichever way? What would be the best remedy? Um, I I would strongly hesitate. It's a great question. <laughs> I I think I would hesitate to try to to promote a formula for that, mm-hmm. because there's certain intangible things that 
you can't always account for. And that, Patricia, goes to the whole idea of having chemistry. And, and I, I, you know, I can give you general information, but at the end of the day, if you're not, if you have chemistry, no matter what the age discrepancies are or not, you can be the same age or 10 years apart or even more of, of the difference. But if you still have chemistry, then you have to just go with that, um, which can be a beautiful thing if you're both feeling the chemistry. Um, and, and it may be that, and uh, again, the difference, I mean, you would think by what I said earlier, well, if men are at their prime at 18 and women are at 30, then men should be looking for 30-year-old women. Mm-hmm. But it's, typically, that's just not how it goes for a number of societal reasons. I mean, it happens. It's fine. I don't think there's any moral issues about it. But I, I think in terms of, you know, child-rearing, you know, a guy at 18 probably isn't going to want to have children. Um, I know here in the States, you know, a lot of men now are really waiting until their mid to late 30s or even early 40s. So, you know, if, if they're, they've hooked up with a woman who's 10, 12 years older than them, then that woman may very well be in her mid to late 40s, early 50s, and, and she may very well be past her childbearing years. So if that's the case, then then you really have to throw that whole notion out of, of sexual crime because then you have to consider, you know, a biological clock as the imperative. You are listening to SAFM Closet Conversations with me, Patricia Dooley. We are speaking to Dr. Gary Brown, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Los Angeles. And uh, the topic at hand is rekindling those flames when you are in a long-term relationship. Remember, you can join us by sending that SMS to 41391 or WhatsApp on 0614104107. Dr. Brown, you mentioned earlier some of the food triggers that could possibly affect our sex drive there are there any food triggers that we can use that would boost our libido boost our sex drive and make sure that in the long term the fires are burning um you know i don't know um i haven't looked at that uh, in a long time um but you know i mean there are certainly some foods that are 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 good. Something uh, there's a, a root vegetable called uh, maca. It, it's uh, it, it definitely has health benefits. Uh, something called tribulus. Um, also ginseng. And I, if I recall correctly, I think it was red ginseng um, can do something for that. Uh, and interesting, uh, if you have them available, pistachio nuts. Um, but beyond that, you know, I, I I can't get that much out of my memory banks right now. Okay. I've heard things like uh, eating more nuts and avocados. Could that help? Uh, and seeds uh, like uh, uh, pumpkin seeds. Could that help boost as well? Um, it could. I'm not that knowledgeable about mm-hmm. that particular yeah. topic right yeah. now. And I don't like to talk about things I don't know about. Okay. Okay. But are there any foods that are aphrodisiacs that you could recommend uh, while people are setting the mood uh, to uh, go well, in, in general, the I mean... Um, they say pumpkin seeds do it. Um, now, I'm going to counter myself here. Um, in some instances, champagne can be an aphrodisiac. Now, I know I'm going against what I said earlier, but you know, studies have shown that for women in particular, limited amounts of alcohol can, can increase their desire. And also, obviously, alcohol also does a lot to lessen inhibitions as well. Mm. So a bit of champagne, a bit of oysters, a bit of pumpkin seeds. I've got here from yeah. uh, Anonymous, how can one prolong the erection time? 
uh, slow down. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean when you say slow down? Yeah. So, uh, again, kind of going back to an earlier point, um, if anonymous is like most of us, um, men tend to focus more on achieving orgasm. And so what I suggest to men in particular when, when this becomes an issue, slow down the pace of thrusting. Slow that down. Really take your time. Enjoy the experience. Maybe just allow yourself while you have an erection to just be inside your partner and just to gaze in her eyes and just enjoy that moment without focusing on orgasm as much as just focusing on connecting with her. It's very romantic. It's very sensuous. And I think it takes us back to what you said earlier, that it's not just about the orgasm being the end result. It's also about just, you know, making sure that you connect emotionally and uh, and spiritually, if you're a spiritual person, with your partner during the act of being intimate. The best sex you will ever have is when you are truly loving your partner in that moment. Lust is a wonderful thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of lust. But the best sex you will ever have is when uh, you feel like you're going to cry or you cry at the end for some people because that that level of intimacy is so close. It's as close as two people can get. Hmm. And then Tlochi asks, once I've heard that uh, if you drink a Coca-Cola, it can lower your sex drive. Is this true? Uh, Yes, because Coca-Cola has caffeine in it. Uh, and caffeine uh, ha- tends to excite, excite the uh, central nervous system, uh, often uh, producing uh, this unconscious anxiety. Um, you, you'll find that your heart will start beating more rapidly, which is going to happen during sex anyway. But if you have excessive amounts of caffeine, um, it, it can really have a, a, a strong impact, negative impact. Shoot, for all those caffeine lovers, slow down, guys, slow down, ladies. I've got uh, Anonymous here who says, hi, uh, we are married 30 years in August. Congratulations, Anonymous, to you and your partner. And uh, Anonymous continues to say, we are very happy sexually. We talk a lot about what we like and don't like. In sex, my wife takes the lead as she knows what she likes. We are very open to okay. each other. We even visit naturist places, not for sex, but to enjoy nature and outdoor bodies as God made us. We love each other a lot, and we love doing stuff together as a couple. We don't do the swinging thing or watch porn. We find to be open to each other and talk we're still on 30 years of marriage, and we are enjoying our sex lives. Congratulations! Congratulations, Anonymous. That's that's wonderful. My that's, goodness. That's just delightful. So, so it is possible to be in a long-term marriage or a long-term relationship and still be able to uh, have those fires and have that great sex life without any hindrances, Doctor? Absolutely possible. Uh, I've seen it. I've experienced it. Uh, so, yes, absolutely possible. And uh, yeah, and, and, and I would, and I yeah. would, and, and what I'm hearing anonymous say is, what I really keyed in on when he spoke was the amount of love that that they have for one another, and and I think that that really is key.
Mm, the amount of love and understanding yeah. for each other and allowing yeah. each other to to yeah. to know yourself because i think also in the journey of um uh, you know having a good healthy sexual relation you might also need to understand your own body in order for you to be able to know how to articulate to your partner what it is that you like because anonymous says that his partner takes the lead because she knows what she wants wonderful that's awesome and now, I, my question for you, Anonymous, is do you let your partner know, do you let your wife know what it is that you need, um, you know, so that you feel hopefully just as mutually satisfied? And it sounds like you do, but uh, maybe there can be even more. Mm. I think, you know, uh, we once spoke here on the show about uh, partners who are givers and partners who are takers, and some partners yeah. just enjoy you know, ensuring that their partner is well taken care of. So they are more givers. Yeah. If Anonymous can respond to you, well, would appreciate that. I've also got another uh, Anonymous here. Anonymous says, Patricia, can you please ask your guest? Okay, okay. And I have to say, yeah. uh, Patricia, I am going to have to end right around the top of the hour here. Definitely uh, we will. I've got, I've, got a, I've got a patient here at three. All right, definitely we will be done by then, uh, Doctor, because um, the show ends at that time as well. By the way, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the heck out of this. <laughs> you are a fabulous, you are, a, seriously, you are a fabulous interviewer. Oh. I, I've done almost 500 interviews. This is an absolute delight, and I'm loving interacting with your audience as well. So thank, so, you. so thank you for this. Thank you so very much for giving us your time, Doctor. Thank you so very much for your oh, valuable please. knowledge. We're enjoying you. I would you. love to do this again. Definitely, we'll make sure that we do. Let's go to Anonymous now before we close off. Anonymous says, uh, sure. Patricia, can you ask your guest, does doing hard labor um, in your job kill the sex drive? Yes, in a heartbeat. Mm. Uh, one of the leading causes of uh, lower libido and sex drive is stress. And about the first thing to go uh, when we're under stress is, is sex. Mm. Um, because we've expended so much energy psychically and, and or physically that we're just kind of out of gas and you just don't have, you kind of like you gave it the office, so to speak, or you gave it the factory or where it is you're working. And so stress, stress in any form, be it work or any other stressor, uh, can definitely diminish uh, the sex drive. Doctor, as we round off our discussion, can you please just take us uh, perhaps through some of the top tips of keeping those fires burning in our bedrooms within long-term relationships? I, I would say the first foremost, you must identify what are your sexual needs um, and what are the needs of your partner. I would say number two, how you get there is you have the courage and you're going to be scared if you're not used to doing this, but you have to be courageous in love, in all aspects of love, I might add, not just in the bedroom, but out of the bedroom. Have conversations that are difficult to have. And sometimes there are cultural taboos about talking about this. And I think all of us, no matter what culture we come from, whether it's here where I live or where you live or anywhere in the world, we need to find ways to uh, move through those taboos so that we can be more intimate with one another. And then three, try to be flexible. Understand, and, and what I mean by that, just be flexible in terms of um, identifying what your needs are and what your partner's needs are, and understand that over time, your sexual needs and your drives are gonna change. And it's not necessarily because there's something wrong with you, it's just because it's just a function of time. But you don't have to be a prisoner of the reasons for it. If you're having good communication with your partner, 
then you can always find a way to do that. And I would say, um, lastly, Patricia, and, and to your audience, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but I really do feel that the expression of true heartfelt gratitude for our partner's presence in our lives really can enhance our romantic relationship because it shows that we care about them. We don't take them for granted. We appreciate them. Uh, so, you know, write that love note, write that love letter or say, say, say the words. Thank you so very much, Dr. Gary Brown. And I think everyone has written down those uh, pointers on how to keep the fires burning. We really appreciate you and looking forward to having another discussion with you around these issues. Patricia, a true delight. And, and thanks to you and thank you to your audience. I, I, just, I really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed this. Excellent. Thank you very much. I hope I did a a good job for everybody. You did an excellent job, a a fabulous job indeed. Thank you very much, Dr. Gary Brown. That marks the end of our show for the Wednesday edition of Closet Conversations on the Late Night Conversations. We will be back again tomorrow, 10 until midnight. Remember, if you'd like to go back and listen to any of the um, interviews that we had on the show, you just need to get into our website on www.safm.co.za. But in the meantime, let's keep on interacting on social media platforms at SAFM Radio, at Patricia N. Nduli. May goodness and grace lead you all to the great heights of success.